we call this walk the talk. And the reason we call it that is it has been kind of a, a very focused line for me since I first started. One of the first memories I have of uh, Swami Satchidananda, this was back in 1973. I, I have a picture of it in my mind. I had picked him up at Dorval Airport and I had him in the car and we were heading towards McGill University because he was gonna give a talk. And we're on Sherbrooke Street, a couple blocks from, from McGill and <laughs> we're stopped. And actually we're stopped right in front of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. I get vivid image. I'm driving. Swamiji's next to me, only two people in the car. And he turns to me and he goes, um, Sudananda, and that was my uh, monastic name. And so I turned, I looked at him, I said, yes, Swamiji. He goes, you know, I've got a lot of followers. Uh, I said, okay, Swamiji, the light changed, put it into gear. So I'm now just crawling along because it's Sherbrooke Street. And I'm, my mind went crazy. It's like, why is he telling me he's got a lot of followers? I mean, the guy's got an ego? Am I, is my guru an egomaniac? What's going on here? So my mind just went in a reactive mode like crazy, thinking, why is he telling me that he's got a lot of followers? I know he's got a lot of followers. He's got people around the world. There's tens of thousands of people. I'm, you know, I, I'm helping to run his organization. So I, I, I kind of have some information on this, these types of things. So and so we're driving along and we stop right before McGill. We're going to make a left into McGill. We stopped. There's another light. And he turns to me, he goes, Sudananda. And I turn to him and I go, yes, Swamiji. He goes, you know, I may have a lot of followers, but I don't have enough swallowers. And he pointed at me and he said, you be a, follow a swallower, not a follower. You allow your uniqueness to take all of these things that I'm teaching you and you just be yourself with it. So you swallow the teachings, don't follow the teachings. And so he really created a very vivid um, idea in my head about following. Now, the truth is I was a rebel my whole life and I wasn't a good follower. I was a horrible follower. Even later on, Swami Satchidananda had to kind of reprimand me a bit because I wasn't following the rules within even his organization. Huh. Think of it now. I should have told him that he's the cause of me being a rebel because he told me to be a, a swallower, not a follower. Could have said that, but I didn't think of it at the time. But that's why we have Walk the Talk. What is so for me, and I'm going to guess for almost everyone out there, is that each of us wants to live our comfortable self. Each of us wants to be able to be present, present and available to each moment. Not to live the moment because we memorize something and that's the way we're supposed to act, right? So when I was an altar boy, um, when was I back 15, 14, 15 years old, right? And I would do the early morning masses. Um, and the little, all the it was Italian neighborhoods, so all the little Italian Grammys. Now, before you come into the church, there's rules. You got to put one of those black kerchiefs on the top of your head, and you got to have a special pin, and you pin it. I watched it over and over again. Every single woman who came in there put that kerchief on her head. They were all grandmas. It was 7 a.m. They were up early. Um, and so, and then you did, you know, with the holy water, you did your whole thing. You were following because you were programmed 
to follow certain respectful things that you would do in church. And this is all, all through society. So programming isn't so bad um, if it helps us as a community or, or as a society to live together, it's pretty good. However, this week, as I was preparing, actually it was last week, it was the end of last week, on the news, there was this, everyone was so excited because some company has made a robot and they showed a female robot. They, they've made a robot and they've programmed it so that it shows up emotionally under certain situations. So they programmed this robot and it's freaky. I mean, really freaky to see this robot get happy and to see this robot get, mm, get unhappy. I'm exaggerating. That was no exaggeration when they did it. It was really wild. And it made me think, walk the talk, programming. Whoa. So what they're doing is they're programming robots so that when you interact with them, you will have an emotional experience with them. Pretty cool, but it's programming. And the programming, um, it looks real. I'm sure everyone, all of us know what it's like when we respond the way we think we should respond, rather than just being present and available to the moment, trusting that we can just be ourselves and interact in a harmonious, a meaningful, or powerful way. So programming is okay. However, wow. Pintanjali talks about this, and that's going to be our topic for this session. We want to talk about the difference between being natural and being yourself, being your wise, aware, intuitive self. And Pintanjali calls that the natural state. I love that. It's very simple. That's your natural state. But then Pintanjali talks about what happens when you're not comfortable sitting comfortably in your natural state. Well, there's only two states of consciousness. So everything you experience your entire life in Raja Yoga puts, is put into two categories, the connected, the disconnected. In the connected state, not only are we comfortable in ourselves, but we have access to our power, to our intelligence, to an intelligence that's even greater than our own intelligence. So we have access to dimensions that are quite useful when you're in challenging situations. So in your natural state, you are able to handle any challenging event, no matter what it might be, you will handle it in a seamlessly synchronistic, harmonious fashion. Now, that might mean that you have to talk to someone about something that's not exactly comfortable for you. You have to tell someone that that, that was kind of mean what they said. So you may have to deal with life, but you do it from your authentic self. So Bintanjali talks about this, two states. You have the natural state, and you've got this robotic, automatic, I got to figure out how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this, so how did I handle it in the past? Let me just use everything I've had in the past and apply it to this moment. So that's our topic this evening. Reaction, 
response, your natural state, your unnatural state, what Patanjali actually calls the acquired state. So that's what's in store for us. So let's start off now. I'd like to ask um, Stephen if he would lead us in a breath meditation to get us centered and ready to go. If you, um, in the weeks to come, we will be having a kind of a pre-show as some of you I know signed on early. So we'll have some music, we'll have some time for you to meditate. Um, I love just sitting there and meditating before I go on and see all your beautiful faces. So Stephen, can we start a little meditation? Sure. So um, thank you all. It's nice to see you all again this evening. So let's um, begin as we usually do by sitting comfortably. It helps if the spine is as straight as possible. Now close your eyes. So this breathing exercise will help calm the mind and focus the attention on the present moment. Begin by observing the natural inhalation and the exhalation to the breath. Allow the breath to flow smoothly and comfortably. And now with the least possible effort, allow the exhalation to extend twice as long as the inhalation. You can do a gentle silent counting if you need to. Count the inhalation, and then gently extend the exhalation, pushing in on the abdomen, releasing all of the carbon dioxide. And on the next exhalation, Release all the tension in the body. And once again, on the exhalation, feel the tension releasing. As you exhale, leave the past behind and place the attention on the present moment.
notice the pause that occurs after the exhalation. As you exhale once again, notice the pause. Allow the inhalation to come naturally. when the pause is complete. Now gently allow the breath to move easily. If you're wearing glasses, gently remove them, place them down in front of you. Rub the palms of the hands together and generate some heat in the palms of the hands. Gently cup the palms over the eyes. Feel the heat absorb into the eyes. Very gently stroke out the eyes with the fingertips. And so as not to shock the nervous system, open the eyes very slowly.
said, this moment that we'd like you to notice is the mind agitated and spinning? Is the mind waveless, clear? Or is it in between those two somewhere? But notice that, please. What Stephen and I are sharing with you is that each one of us has a capacity. This capacity allows us to live our life optimizing our genius, being able to emotionally be available to every single situation that comes. So where we've started in sharing Raja Yoga with you, we started by letting you know that there is a unified field. This unified field connects us all. This unified field allows us, when we're with someone, to know the best use of words or no words. As we say, keep our heart open to the situation. It also allows us, when there's a dangerous or a challenging situation to come up, it allows us to draw on our strengths and dance and maneuver. This is our natural state. Each one of us are connected to wisdom. Each one of us is an aware being. And there is only one problem. And the one problem is an untrained mind. For the mind has the capacity in its clarity to reveal to you, the aware being, without any distortions, without any reactions, it reveals to you the exact nature of whatever it is you're focused on, even if it's your own mind. When the mind, however, starts spinning and it gets agitated and the waves start going, you don't see clearly. Ha, thus our topic. When the mind is spinning and you're not connected to the moment, what happens is you have a failsafe. You have a backup system. Backup system isn't the best, but it is a backup system. If you don't know what to do in, in a situation, just hit the pre-recorded button. Just go to pre-programming. Let's see. When I'm with my dad and he starts saying things that make me want to grit my teeth, Okay, no, no, I don't want to do that. That has had too many problems if I start to talk with gritted teeth. So I'm just going to let him be who he is because I'm a spiritual person and I draw on some of my spiritual pre-programming. I do my deep breathing. It's important to have that programmed in your mind. Whenever you're hitting challenging situations to be able to breathe deeply. Thank you, Stephen. 
However, if you don't have a trained mind, the best you can do is hit some pre-programming button and re-enact what you've done before and place it on the moment. Re-act, to act again. Now that's totally different than to be responsible in staying connected to who you are and focusing on what's in front of you and have a responsive relationship to whatever the situation might be. Okay, let's try it out. You game? Let's try a little exercise and see how that works. Pre-programming, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with pre-programming. We're not dissing pre-programming. It has its place. However, when you don't want know what to do in a situation and you call on the past to try to fit it into it, it's like a round peg in a square hole. It very seldom doesn't fit. Now, some people are strong enough to really smash it in there. We all know people like that in our life. Other people don't even try. They just back off. We all know people like that in our life. So here's the exercise. Sit up tall. You really have to sit up tall for this one. Um, you want your back straight, the head and neck aligned with your back. And all I want you to do, it's a really simple exercise. All I want you to do, would you fold your arms, please? You know, that thing you do when you don't feel safe in a situation and you, you, know, you know it. Okay. So what I'd like you to do is notice which hand's on top. It's my right hand. Why did you put your right hand on top? Ah, random, it could have been left, could have been right. Probably not. I have a hunch that, yeah, put your arms down. I have a hunch, it's more than a hunch, but you've probably did that at some point and got accustomed to it. It created a groove. In Raja Yoga, those grooves are called sanskars. They're, they are tendencies. So you folded your arms that way for a long time. It's simple as that. So would everyone fold their arms again? Son of a gun, it's my right hand again. How did that happen? All right, shake out your hands. Shake out your hands. Maybe it's just because, you know, I don't know. Fold your arms. Darn. It's the same thing again. All right. Robotic consciousness, if I can update Patanjali a little bit, right? The acquired state, the unnatural state requires you to use programming to try to deal with your life. Let's say, for example, everyone pick an emotion they're not really comfortable with. They would rather not have that emotion. Sadness, mind sadness, loneliness. You can pick which one's for you, right? So most likely what you've done is when situations trigger that emotion, you probably have programmed yourself to do something. Act a certain way, have a certain expression on your face, hold your breath, tighten your anal muscles. I don't know, but it'll be something that you will do that you've done before and it worked, it got rid of the uncomfortable emotion. All right, let's fold our arms again. Everyone fold your arms, so mine was the right hand. So I want you to fold your 
arms, so your left hands or whatever, opposite hands on top. Would you please do that now, please? Fold your arms so your other arms on top. Is this the natural or the unnatural state? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? All right, stop for a moment, shake out your arms. All right, everyone think with me. I am gonna fold my arms in slow motion and I'm gonna have the opposite hand. So for me, it's gonna be the left hand on top. So everyone slowly think about what you're doing though. Got it. If you don't get it, don't beat yourself up. This is not easy. <laughs> All right, a little example. We could have many of these examples. What we've done is we have programmed our mind and body, our physical body, energetic body, and mental body, which includes emotions. We have programmed them unconsciously in most cases to survive. And part of that survival is to avoid that which is uncomfortable and move to that which is comfortable. Whoa, that is not a great GPS. Let's say, you know, in order to feel good, you know, you'd like to go buy and shop things and that makes you feel good. Okay. It does feel good when you buy something. Right? We just got a sewing stand for Rada. It's exciting. Far out. Now I'm going to get those shirts and those other things sewn that I've been waiting for. It's really exciting. Okay. So consumerism isn't bad, except. If I use buying because I have a feeling and if I do my buying thing, then that's the way I programmed myself to move away, the, away from the uncomfortable and towards the comfortable. So you think for a second. When everyone fold your arms again, by the way, please just fold your arms. Don't think, just fold your arms. There it is again. Right hand. <laughs> Damn. Okay. All right. Now, was that a response or a reaction? Did you say to yourself, I'm not going to follow what this guy's saying. I'm going to do it the opposite way. So I'm going to really think about this and not do it the way that now nah, that doesn't matter. It's still a reaction. Now, maybe you thought about it. Oh, there it is. Okay. You thought about it. <laughs> And what I just did was I brought awareness to my programming, my roboticness. Because again, we're not dissing it. What we're saying it is though, when it's self-limiting, when we're not dealing with situations in our life, accessing and connected to our natural state. What's the natural state, Pantanjali? In touch with that part of you, that has access to knowledge and wisdom and intuition, that part of you that is available to experience every emotion possible. That's powerful. That's very, very powerful. So the natural state allows you to remember that that little sign on the bathroom, the one that doesn't have a, like a little dress on it, that if you're identifying yourself, I got to watch this topic because it can go all over the place. I'm going to hit it straight on though. Um, as a male, I don't want to walk into the female room for the bathroom. 
I have to wait to go in the stalls. I just want to get to the urinal. So I'm programmed to know that that little stick figure is where I go because there's urinals in there. I know if I'm on the highway and there's a thing saying, wrong way, do not enter, I'm programmed to listen to that. So programming is okay. The problem is, and this is what Bintanjali is telling us, is there's only two states of consciousness we can experience. There's a natural state and there's an unnatural state. The unnatural state, aka acquired state, well, why is it acquired state? Why does Pintanjali say acquired? Because someone programmed us. Somewhere we saw something and we were programmed. <laughs> when I was with Swamiji and I was a monk, we did these ceremonies. They were really beautiful. And you set up the ceremony for Swamiji and he would come. So I was kind of a, called a pujari. So I assisted Swamiji in a number of these ceremonies. And I remember one time, and there was a list that actually went around that told you exactly what to have to make this ceremony, it's called a puja, to make this ceremony complete. This is what Swamiji needed. So there was camphor and there was frankincense and there was incense holders and there was this and flowers and you know there was all kinds of things. But right down there was, and this is going to date me, but all of some of you can relate to this. But, but there was match the matches. Remember the book of matches? And it said you had to take the book of matches and put aluminum foil around it. Okay, that's how I was programmed. And so finally, one day, I was there when Swamiji said, Swamiji's about to do this special ceremony it was actually for a mantra initiation and he was going to do the ceremony and he stopped for a moment he picked up the matches and he turned to me and he said Sudananda in all of the institutes I go to these matchbooks always have aluminum foil on it how come I said Swamiji there's actually a list that goes around telling people who are getting this ceremony ready that this is what so he said find out so <laughs> put on my detective cap turned out Back in the 60s, when people were actually smoking joints and everything around Swamiji when he was in New York City, because back then, it was, you know, they didn't know what was going on. Yoga was not even known. The big joke was, oh, you're doing yogurt. So they didn't know all of these things. But it turns out they were going to do this ceremony with Swamiji. I think Peter Max actually told me the story. <laughs> they were going to do this ceremony for Swamiji. And they said, well, we need matches. We need matches. And someone said, oh, we don't have matches. And some guy said, I got a match. And he pulls out a match thing. But back in the day, and I can remember this, the matches had uh, women with no clothes on them. So here, the dilemma, they don't want to put a, a match book with a woman with no clothes on it, right? And so what they did was they ran into the kitchen and they put aluminum foil around it. Ah, it became law. The acquired state. So it's really important. And that's why we're setting a foundation for you. It's a foundation that I am so thankful for. Stephen's going to say the same exact thing. Any of us who've been studying it for all these years, and many of you have been doing this for a very long time. When you realize that you are reacting to the situation. Can everyone here think of something they reacted to in the last day? It doesn't have to be big. 
I was about to go on and I was getting Radha set up downstairs and I got it all set and Radha got a little thing that said that I had another meeting so she couldn't get on this meeting right here. So I called Stephen up right away. But as I'm calling Stephen right up away, this happened, I realized I was getting worried. Oh no, I'm on in 20 minutes. I noticed that I was worried. I was reacting. I stopped for a moment, had plenty of time. I stopped for a moment, I took a nice deep breath and I recall times, many times, when I was about to go on or I was helping Swamiji to go on and something would go wrong and I'd have to rush around and fix it or whatever, but it didn't go the way I wanted to. And I saw myself reacting. And then I went a little deeper because I like doing this kind of stuff. I'm a little weird that way, but I went a little deeper and I realized, well, you know where, what was the emotion? Do you think, what was the emotion behind feeling like rushed to get this working? So all of you could come on and we could have a, an event this evening. Yeah. Anyone who said shame, got it. I wasn't going to do it right. You were going to come on and go, what is it with this guy? He's a yogi for 50 years and he can't even set up a Zoom meeting? Reaction. I pulled it from the past. And boy, I have a store. I have a warehouse of experiences that will give testimony to the fact that I don't do it right. That's reaction. That's re acting. So I checked it out. I said, ah, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I called Stephen. We found out what was going on and we got it fixed. That was response. In the natural state of consciousness, Pantanjali tells us, the Raja Yoga system tells us that when you are in that state, you have access to not only your brilliance, your sensitivity, you are emotionally available to deal with the situation. That includes being angry for injustice. That includes crying because your dearest, dearest partner of how many years just passed. It includes all of those things. So it's not what you do. It's the state of consciousness you do it from. Wow. Thank you, Patanjali. I needed to hear that. So do you know the difference between reaction and response? Close your eyes for a moment. Take a couple deep breaths, sit up tall again, because I want you to be alert. The journey is about awareness. We are all aware beings. We just have to get our mind to be waveless and what is called in the road, the waveless mind. So as best as you can in this short little time, just breathe in deeply, pause for a moment and exhale. Now I invite you to close your eyes, but that's not something you have to do, but it'll allow you to notice, to be aware of something. And that something is, I'm going to say something. I would like you to see if you react to it or if you respond to it. If you react to it, that's your unnatural state. It's not you. 
It's an acquired state. It's a pre-programming that just hijacked your moment. If you have a response to what I'm about to say, then you're in your natural state. You're, you're willing to feel. You're willing to turn on every center, every cell in your brain that's empathic that allows you to know and feel and respond. All right, so in a moment, I'm going to make a statement. It is not a personal statement from me to you. It's a general statement. We call it a probe. Ah, that's good. I always describe probes by we send things out into outer space and gather information and send it back. And here I am sitting in outer space. Perfect. So we're going to do some probes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say to all of you, notice what happens when you hear the words. I will pause for a second, and then I'm going to say something. Please, as it's, you're going to notice it. See if you react to it. See if you push it away. See if you don't let it in. See if your breath tightens. Or see if you just go, oh, oh, that felt good. Just notice reaction, response, natural state of consciousness, acquired state of consciousness. So here we go. Slow, deep breaths. I'd like you to notice what happens when you hear the words. You're perfect just the way you are. If it went in, notice where it went, what part of your body accepted it. If you had a thought or an emotion, notice the emotion. Pay attention to the thought. If you did not like that statement and reacted to it, how did you do it? How close did the statement get to you? Did you react before it even got in? Or did it get to your throat and then you just coughed it out? Each of you now know that you had either a reaction to what I said or a response. All right, let's dive in again. Kind of shake it off a little bit. Take a deep breath again. Go into some deep breathing. Readjust yourself. Sit up tall. Head and neck aligned. And I'd like you to notice what happens when you hear the words. All you need is love. Dun, 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 dun. Did it go in? Did you react? That was corny. No, you don't. You need money. You need a partner, whatever. Did you react to that statement? If you did, how did you react? How did you uniquely push it away and not let it in? Now you can disagree with that without reaction. We're picking, I'm picking probes so that you can tell the difference between being open and receptive and not liking it and pushing it away. Because that is the anatomy of the unnatural state. We just don't 
know how to be easy in a situation. We just don't trust ourselves to be able to say the right thing or do the right thing. I like threes. Let's do it again. One more. So back into it again. Let's clear that one out. Deep breath. Go back into a relaxed state. And I'd like you to notice what happens when you hear the words, you are immortal, you are blissful. Stay in that state, knowing if you did not accept it and reacted or did not accept it and responded. Maybe that goes against your philosophy and that's my philosophy and he just said a word so interesting. No, it's not mine. Or maybe you reacted. Pintanjali wants us to get the mind as clear and waveless as possible. When the mind is waveless, whatever is placed in front of it. It forms itself around it perfectly. Your intelligence can analyze it. Your memory can place it in time and space. We are conscious beings on a journey. So breathe deeply. There are eight steps to Raja Yoga, eight limbs. We are now embarking on the sixth limb, Dharana, concentration. Be aware of the state of your mind right now. Be the observer of your mind. If a thought comes in, no problem. You're not the thought. You're the observer of the thought. That's what's important now. Concentration leads to a waveless mind. Athletes know that. They perform the best when they're not thinking. They call it the zone. And as you observe your mind, if that is too difficult, the mind may be active. Revert to your breath. Observe the breath flowing in and observe your breath flowing out. You are a conscious being traveling through space and time. 
There is no one like you. You are unique. Quite special, actually. So settle into a comfortable seat inside of you. And as you create a waveless mind, the next step is meditation. The hum. There's the quiet mind and there's you, the knower. Shift your attention to the knower of your mind. If you're watching your breath, when you reach stillness, shift the attention to the part of you, essential part of you, that is watching that is knowing, that is observing, that is seeing. Tat Twamasi. Thou art that immortal, blissful conscious self without beginning without end. Practice settling the mind into Narod, the waveless state. And then with practice, you switch the attention and observe the observer. Know the knower, see the seer, watch the watcher. This is meditation. <laughs>